Join Douglas Wilson, Dr. Joseph Boot, Brian Sauvey, Eric Kahn, and myself on March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd for our 2024 conference. It's called Blueprints for Christendom 2.0. Our early bird pricing ends on Thursday, August 31st. So go and visit rightresponseconference.com to register today. We hope to see you at the conference in March. Joshua and Israel entered into a covenant with Gibeon. And when they realized, the Bible says three days later, that the Gibeonites were actually their next door neighbors and that they had lied and had not actually come from a far off distant land, but were inhabitants of the land of Canaan, the very land that God had promised to give Israel as an inheritance, the very land that God commanded Israel to drive out all these pagan Canaanite tribes. When Israel realized that, uh-oh, we've just made a peace treaty with a particular tribe of people that God has told us to driven out, uh, or to drive out, they couldn't go back on their word. Joshua and Israel and the leaders there realized that even though they were supposed to initially, in obedience, full obedience to God's commandments to drive the Gibeonites along with all these other tribes out of Canaan, they had given their word, they had made a treaty, a covenant, and to break their word would actually be a greater sin. And then hundreds of years later, we see the power of a covenant. We see how binding our word actually is, how serious an endeavor it is to make a vow before the Lord. We see hundreds of years later, generations past King Saul, the first Saul in, uh, the first king in Israel, King Saul in his zeal for the house of the Lord and for the people of Israel, his zeal overstepping his bounds of wisdom and maturity, he starts to put to death the Gibeonites. And what happens as way of consequence is that there are three years of severe famine and drought in the land of Israel. And now David comes into the kingship, the throne, succeeding Saul. And David goes before the Lord because Israel is suffering in this intense famine and drought. And he goes to the Lord and says, God, what, what's going on? Uh, surely we must, we must be in sin. This is not just uh, natural. We recognize that there is a supernatural cause behind this famine. And ultimately, you're sovereign over all things. This wouldn't be happening if you didn't allow it. Is Israel in sin? Have we breached a covenant with you? And the Lord answers David and says, yeah, Saul did this. When he was king as a representative head of Israel with his authority, he breached the covenant that was made generations earlier through Joshua. He breached the covenant. He broke his word. He broke Israel's vow with the Gibeonites. And in his zeal, he began to put them to death. And David says, well, how do we make it right? And God sends David to the Gibeonites to say, go to them. You need to make it right and seek reconciliation and restoration with the Gibeonites, the ones who Israel has offended. And the Gibeonites say that in order to make it right, uh, blood for blood, tooth for tooth, eye for eye, life for life, that the sons of the lineage of Saul must be put to death. Now David spares Mephibosheth, who is a son, grandson of King Saul, but a son actually of Jonathan because of a covenant that David made with Jonathan. 
So he can't make this other covenant that Saul broke with the Gibeonites right by breaking another covenant that David made with Jonathan. So he spares Mephibosheth, and the Lord allows for this, but he puts other sons um, of King Saul and grandsons in his lineage, hands them over to the Gibeonites, and they put them to death. And all of a sudden, the famine ceases, and God causes it to rain on Israel again. There's food in Israel. Things are made right. But the point is to say uh, that is just one example in biblical terms of the power of our word, the power of a covenant. And I don't mean the power of our word uh, in a prosperity gospel heretical sense. I'm not talking about the power of positivity or manifesting or just you know, wishing something into existence, faith in your faith, name it and claim it. It's none of that. But what I am saying is that when we make a vow before the Lord, he will hold us accountable. And that's why Jesus even says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 